from Schwartz Media and 7am, I'm Ruby Jones, and this is The Vote, your guide to the 2022 election. This election, one person is having more of a say than anyone else when it comes to the political advertising that Australians are seeing every day. That person is Clive Palmer. He's not only outspending the major political parties by a significant margin, he's also got a huge personal say in the ads that he's putting onto billboards and TV screens. That's because he writes them all himself. Today, senior reporter for the Saturday paper, Rick Morton, on the rise of Clive Palmer and what he's trying to get out of his election advertising blitz. It's Thursday, April 28. Rick, I think we all have an image in our mind of who Clive Palmer is. He's been a figure in Australian public life for a long time. He's larger than life in a lot of ways, and there's certainly a sort of persona that he presents. But can you tell me a bit about what is underneath that, about who Clive Palmer really is and where he comes from? Yeah. I mean, I'm a Queenslander, and I think if you want to know everything you need to know about Clive Palmer, there are three things. He started out as a property developer on the Gold Coast during the White Shoe Brigade era of the 1980s. He made an absolute monster during what was a poorly regulated time <laughs> in Australian property and then brought up some kind of old American leases, actually, mining leases, and uh, started his company, uh, Mineralogy, uh, in the 1980s. Um, and that was really kind of around iron ore, thermal coal and hydrocarbon assets. And, and this kind of goes hand in hand with his political rise. So he was, you know, in the National Party. He rose to become the media spokesperson for the National Party while the most corrupt and notorious premier in Queensland history, Joe Bielke-Peterson, was in power. I won't let you down, you people. You'll have These to... were the days of Queensland Premier Joe Bielke-Peterson and his National Party government riddled with cronyism and weakened by scandal. Well, Mr Palmer, the clear innuendo is there. Are you indeed a crook? Well, nobody's made that allegation, uh, as, you, as you'll appreciate. No, I'm very surprised at these sorts of allegations. And then he kind of leapfrogged off both of those things into his mining interests to create obscene wealth for himself. And along the way has kind of taken from his mentor and at the time friend, Joe Bielke-Peterson, this mantra of feeding the chooks where it's like, you know, if you want to keep the press occupied, if you want to keep them distracted, throw them something that doesn't matter. Give them something to feed on. And, you know, he's notorious for it. So, uh, one, I would like to ask you, what are your political motives? And two, are we going to see a refloating of the Titanic? Well, with the Titanic, we've commissioned a large number of people to do all the design work on the Titanic, and it's taken us seven years. So his political background and his sense of, you know, what money can achieve has been well-formed, and he's kind of grown into that now as this person who has a lot of money. Yeah, if there's anything that people know about Clive Palmer, it's that he is a very rich man. But in 2013, he returned to politics, and that was with a party that was named after himself, the Palmer United Party, and that was when he he actually managed to get elected to Parliament. Yeah, he, he did, and he was actually won a seat in the House of Representatives, which is notoriously hard to do if you don't have major party backing. And so he, you know, won the Sunshine Coast seat of Fairfax only by 53 votes, like just 53 votes, but it was enough. Before I call the member for Fairfax, the Honourable Member for Fairfax, I would remind the House that this is the Honourable Member's maiden speech 
and that I asked the House to... And he said, my election is a reminder to the major parties that they must truly serve all Australians. As it's been said, let us not seek the Liberal answer or the Labor answer, but the right answer. So... As an MP for Fairfax, he um, attended only 64% of parliamentary sitting days. It was quite a long-running kind of joke about whether Clive would actually be there or not. And that was in 2014. It was even less the following year. So he became unpopular and he didn't recontest that seat in the 2016 election. But probably, I guess, the most important thing for us right now is that that was his prelude, I guess, into politics. But the 2019 election was where he finally tuned his own craft. Mm. Okay, well, let's talk about the 2019 election then, Rick. What was Clive Palmer's strategy going into that election and and how did things actually play out for him? Yeah, it's actually really interesting. So firstly, Palmer spent a lot of money, like a lot, a lot, about $84 million. Some figures say 70, some say 80, $84 million. Uh, And at first his ads were very deliberately targeted at both the major parties in a really negative way. It's not the Liberal way or the Labor way, but the right way. You know, both... The Liberal National Coalition has failed us. Shorten and Labor have failed us. Why not try the right way? You know, not Liberal, not Labor, the right way. Um, In this case, United Australia Party. The Anzacs weren't Liberals or Labor. They were Australians. Make Australia great. Vote one, United Australia Party. Authorised by James McDonald for the United Australia Party, Brisbane. Right, so he starts out with ads attacking both the coalition and Labor, but then there's this pivot and it becomes all about Labor, anti-Labor ads. Correct. And so the the timeline is actually quite clear. So after Anzac Day in 2019, there is news breaking of a probable preference deal between the coalition and Clive Palmer. And as soon as that happens, something very noticeable happens in Clive Palmer's election advertising spend. It almost completely swings to personally and deliberately attacking Bill Shorten. Labor's death tax will kill your family's wealth. No to death tax. No to death tax. Say no to four more years of hard labour. Vote Clive Palmer's United Australia Party. Bill Shorten wants to tax us an extra trillion dollars. Tell Shifty he's dreaming. He becomes Shifty Shorten. The coalition are running attack ads saying the bill Australia can't afford and by their powers combined... You have an election where Labor cannot afford to get any ad room, (laughs) any breathing space, and these massive forces have saturated all of the channels. Of course, our shifty shorten ads across Australia, I think, have been very successful in suppressing the Labor vote. And he actually claimed credit for Scott Morrison's victory in that election. Well, actually, it's clear that Scott Morrison's been returned as Prime Minister, and he's only done so because of the 3.5% of the vote of the United Australia Party. That 3.5% gives you... But it's important to know about 2019 because the pattern, at least at the start of the campaign, is re-emerging now. He's spending almost the same amount of money. What is different at the moment, and remember this is exactly kind of where we're at in 2019, give or take a few days, is that he's saying him and Craig Kelly, who is former Liberal in the seat of Hughes, who's now the leader in the Parliament of the United Australia Party, both of them are saying, we're not doing any deals. We are fed up and they're saying, no, we're done with this government. We're not, um, we're going to attack them. We're going to attack Labor. We're going to attack the Greens, the National Party, like proper strafing fire across all the political parties. Of course, no one knows at this point whether that's just bluster. And there is a lot of bluster wherever Clive goes. But, you know, he is an unpredictable person. And what we do know is that he's going to have a big influence on the messages, regardless of what he thinks or what he ends up actually doing in terms of political strategy. 
he's already saturating the market and spending so much more than the other political parties. We'll be back after this. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Right, okay, and so Clive Palmer is spending all of this money. We're a couple of weeks away from the 2022 election, but what what is the actual message of his campaign? What's he saying to people about why they should vote for for Clive Palmer and the um, United Australia Party? Yeah, it's classic political advertising in the sense that there's very little about why you should vote for the United Australia Party, but a lot about why you shouldn't vote for anyone else, and it's fear. As one Labor MP told me, you know, he gives people a reason to be angry. The government wants a database with the power to match images of everyone captured on CCTV with their driver's licence and passport photos. Help United Australia Party set Australia free, freedom forever. And that is very much about, um, you know, that we've got the COVID-19 pandemic this time around. We didn't have that in the 2019 campaign. So we're getting a lot about freedom and government control. It's kind of flirting with conspiracy theory talk and saying, you know, do you want someone to stand up for you or do you want these, you know, government people to control every element of your existence? And, of course, we know that that's been getting at least some purchase in Australian public life, not massively because if you look at the rally attendances, but there is certainly an undercurrent of people going, well, do you know what? I don't know that I agree with vaccine mandates, for example. Um, And also one of the more curious ones, but it's also really clever in an era where we are going to start seeing rising interest rates, is that they're, quote-unquote, guaranteeing to keep interest rates at 3%, no higher than 3% for the next five years, which, as far as I understand economic policy, would require a complete unstitching of the way everything works in Australia currently. But when he talks about home ownership and mortgage stress, those are very real fears that Australians have. I think the thing that we ought not to underestimate is that he is very good at sharpening that political message. You know, the people I spoke to from across political parties about Clive Palmer's messaging, um, even the ones who are vehemently opposed to the way he speaks and how he frames things admit that it is incredibly effective marketing. And so this is what the messaging is all about. It's essentially you can't trust these players who've controlled the game for so long. But, you know, you can trust Clive Palmer and Craig Kelly. Right. And so these messages that we're hearing in Clive Palmer's ads, Rick, where do they come from? Where do the United Australia Party's ideas come from? Who writes the ads? I mean, he writes the ads himself. You know, he says, quote unquote, he finds it easy um, because he just spits them out. And not only can he spit the copy out for the ads really quickly, um, but they've got everything in-house. So because they've got that, they can film up to 30 ads in a day because 
and this is very interesting, a Labor MP was like, you'll notice that he never actually publicises his actual candidates. And so it's just Clive and Craig Kelly and you put him in a warehouse and you can shoot back-to-back 30 ads and he's got the money to put those ads to air wherever he wants. And that's exactly what they do. And so just how much is this costing him, Rick? How does his ad campaign spend compared to 2019? Yeah, so, you know, uh, since August last year, they've spent already an astonishing $40 million, and that's just on kind of political messaging and the advertising around that space. The vast majority of this was booked before the election was even called. Um, so a lot of that was in billboards, and you, everyone's seen the billboards. I don't know anyone in Australia who has not seen a yellow and black, looks like a hornet, or a WASP UAP billboard. Capital letters. Capital letters, you know, make Australia great again, all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> you can see where the money's going. So, yeah, a lot of this was pre-booked before the election campaign. They will be ramping up that spend. So we've got an, essentially another $40 million that he's going to spend in four weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so how does that spend that Clive Palmer is indulging in, how does that compare to Labor or the Coalition? Yeah, this is fascinating. So the Facebook spend is three times as much as what Labor spent over the same period, and it's four times as much as what the Liberal Party has spent on Facebook products since August 2020. So of the $11.6 million in political advertising booked through Google since November 2020, more than 90% of that is from Palmer's UAP, like 90% of $11.6 million. So um, here they've spent more than 22 times the amount placed by Labor, Um, and for comparison, for, you know, just how seismic this spending is, the Liberal Party has only spent $37,000 compared to $9.9 million. And the National Party, I, I couldn't help but laugh, the Nationals, have, bless them, have spent $150. So it sounds like Clive Palmer is really outstripping everyone else when it comes to the amount of money that he's spending on political advertising right now. Correct. Um, Correct. And I suppose in the last election when he was doing a, a similar advertising blitz, he ended up, as you've said, pivoting... At the last moment, the ag campaign started targeting Labor. He did this preference deal with the coalition and then went on to to ultimately claim credit for Scott Morrison's win. He's saying that that is not the plan now, that there won't be any deal made. But can we really trust that? No, I don't think we can. Now, uh, another Labor MP put it to me that Clive Palmer needs coalition votes to top him up in his Senate run. So Clive Palmer's name is down to run for the Senate and the only logical place, you know, in terms of major top-up for him to get spillover is from the LNP. It's not from Labor and the Greens, right? So in a sense, if Clive Palmer is thinking about a pattern vote, baking himself into the cycle of Australian elections, they need a seat somewhere. Um, He wants that Senate spot because a big part of their pitch Um, At the moment, when they're talking about UAP, most of it's negative attacks on the parties, but a big part of their pitch when they're talking about themselves is saying, we can be the balance of power. So he needs a Senate spot. So we just got to to watch uh, and see what he actually does. But certainly at the moment, things are tracking very similar to how they were in 2019. Uh, and, And I think this is kind of Clive Palmer's way of reminding the major parties, but particularly the coalition with with whom he could do more business and get you know, a few favourable outlooks, I guess, from political ministers. This is his way of saying, I can hurt you. I could be kind and choose not to, but that's really up to you. 
And I think there is a lot of that in this election. That's kind of been his approach throughout his career with dealing with various political interests. I mean, the thing about Clive is that he has has worked and will work with anyone who's in government. And if Labor were to win the election, guarantee you'll be saying lovely things about them as long as there is a skerrick of an opportunity for him to get something out of it. But if they rebuff him, he will spend more money in the next election campaign to kick them out. Rick, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ruby. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news today, Queensland National Senator Matt Canavan yesterday declared that the goal of net zero emissions by 2050 was dead and all over bar the shouting. Canavan's comments came just hours after the Prime Minister Scott Morrison defended his government's absolute commitment to the 2050 target. And the head of Australia's Office of National Intelligence, Andrew Shearer, has denied that there was a failure by intelligence agencies to stop a military pact being signed between the Solomon Islands and China. Shearer said it had been China's strategy for the past decade to ramp up its presence in the Indo-Pacific. And the deal, which could see a Chinese military presence in the Solomon Islands, was a clear attempt to increase its influence. I'm Ruby Jones. This is The Vote from 7am. See you tomorrow. 